Yeah, so they say it'd be sexist to criticize Kristen Kirsten Cinema's outfit, but I criticize it if a man wore it too. <laughs> the United States has no right, no desire, and no intention to impose our form of government on anyone else. No democracy can survive when its public life, its public goods are so privatized and militarized and individualized. So you won't take down lies or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no. So we tell a handful of billionaires to become phenomenally richer. Yeah, you're going to have to pay more in taxes. Okay. Because she had like the skirt. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. If Joe Manchin was coming into the Senate wearing a kilt. (laughs) But that's the thing is like she, she came in and she's wearing this like skirt sweater ensemble which like okay maybe that is sexist of me to criticize her for this i just don't like how she did it with the boots and yeah the skirt and the leggings like it's too much and then the big purse is what really gets me because it's almost like the purse is this representation of like (laughs) like look at how big my purse is i can't even go ahead very Marie Antoinette vibes. Very like, Marie Antoinette dude, here's vibes. Here's my here's my um here's my uh, very expensive uh, purse. I'm gonna you know walk down to the Senate floor and do my little dance or curtsy or whatever that was and vote vote a thumbs down. A big and thumbs yeah, down. Yeah, for people it. so the people can't even have a living wage. Like yeah. it's just very ostentatious to me. And the whole also, thing. yeah, and also she brought um a large chocolate cake apparently to the Senate staff workers who were like working through the night because they were in there for like you know 20 hours for that votorama so it's like it's 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 almost (laughs) like they want you to think like she's like oh you want you want a living wage eat cake like yeah literally (laughs) literally yeah and it's like oh my gosh i've been saying the next voting block that is going to be criticized um, aside from progressive voters for when Democrats lose next time are gluten-free voters. Yeah, but Kirsten Cinema, I mean, and the thing that's so disappointing about this is like she used to be pretty progressive. Like she used to be in the Green Party back in the day. Uh, here's a tweet of hers from 2014 that people that is uh, circulating through Twitter. A full-time minimum wage earner makes less than 16k a year. Uh, this one's a no-brainer. Tell Congress to raise the wage. And it's like a link to a petition. And now she's actually in Congress. And when a vote comes up to raise the minimum wage, which the voters in her state, the voters all around the country support. Um, no, she she's a thumbs down. Here's a statement, by the way, from her on her Twitter account after after she was just, I mean... I think she was trending number one on Twitter and that video was just circulating all over the place. Um, and she, and she put out this statement. I understand what it's like to face tough decisions while working to meet your family's most basic needs. I also know the difference, uh, better wages can make, which is why I helped lead Arizona's effort to pass an indexed minimum wage in 2006 and strongly support the voter approved state minimum wage increase and uh, 2016, no person who works full-time should live in poverty. Senators in both parties have shown support for raising the federal minimum wage, and the Senate should hold an open debate and amendment process on raising the minimum wage separate from the COVID-focused uh, reconciliation bill. 
Right. And it seems Why? like that was a, yeah, it seems like that was pretty common. I mean, Joe Manchin, the senator of West Virginia, who also voted against the bill, said that it was to defend the bird law, or excuse me, the bird rule. <laughs> bird law is a joke from Always Sunny. <laughs> oh, but no. the bird rule, um, which prevents um, extraneous policies as part of a reconciliation bill or resolution. Um, and to me, I just find that very silly because that is just the way that our politics is done nowadays. Like people will fit everything they can into different bills. I mean, even like, like, look at the budget vote that we have, like, what is it every year? And they, they end up shutting the government down because people try to slide so much stuff into it. So don't tell me that it's the, you're using the bird rule, which is yeah. you can't just get to pick and choose when you use that and argue that it's some type of precedent that you want to set because people are constantly sliding extraneous um things into all different types of bills that are going through congress so i, yeah. I refuse to believe that this isn't like pretty much a it's more i hesitate to say it but it's almost as if it's a direct attack on the american worker what we witnessed Sorry, yeah, go ahead. It, it's an attack, but it's also more of this bogus, like procedural nonsense that you that that you do, and you just said they override all the time. Like a yeah. lot of people are, like a lot of them were complaining about, oh, well, this is reconciliation, and you don't want to do th something by reconciliation. You want to go through regular order. They used reconciliation. The Republicans did the Trump tax cuts passed in 2017 where 83% of the benefits went to the top 1%, added yeah. $2 trillion to the deficit. Um, those fiscal conservatives who all voted no on this bill, they did the same thing for the Bush tax cuts. They, they did the same thing for um, welfare reform back in the 90s. So they, they don't care about you know anything to do, anything having to do with procedure or process. They care about getting their priorities through. And this it simply isn't a priority for him. And he's yeah. trying to come up with excuses. Yeah, that's very clear to me as well. And even like Bernie Sanders was quoted as saying, like, um, it's hard for me to understand how drilling for oil in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge was compliant with the bird rule, but raising mm. the minimum wage was not. And yeah, I mean, see, he just makes such a great point. Like, it's the same type of thing we we're talking about yesterday. Like, these people work on behalf of corporations. Like, who who is funding them? My my next question would be, who is funding them that relies on minimum wage and therefore if these senators were to vote in favor of this bill what corporations would be hurt and i can well, bet you that a lot of those corporations would be donating campaign money to these senators yeah i mean he here's a good example um so this is from tyt by jonathan larson legal documents show mansion has stakes in companies that pay less than the 15 than 15 dollars an hour all right, so this is kind of lengthy, but I'll 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 read what I think is the most important part. Um, thanks to legal filings in a bankruptcy dispute, um, we do know some of the holdings of one of the companies Mansion lists in his disclosure form. That company, AA Property, is reportedly fifty percent controlled by Mansion and an investor in Emeralds in Emerald Coast Realty, which owns. La Quinta Hotel in Elk, Elkville, uh, West Virginia. According to the career's website, indeed.com, the national average salary for several 
La Quinta positions is well below $15 an hour. If Manchin's proposed $11 were to win out, La Quinta hotel housekeepers would get an average raise of eight cents an hour nationwide. So that kind of represents to me why why this is happening is because he literally has stake in a company that is paying well below the $15 minimum wage. And the only reason why in the only reason why he proposed the $11 one is because that's not much of an increase. So the company he owns stake in doesn't lose out as much. So this isn't this doesn't have and and this is another thing I want to I want to say like it obviously has to do with this corruption element and the fact that um, he has stake in this company. But here's a poll from um, actually a, a local news company in Bridgeport, West Virginia. A new poll out in uh, February last month showed that 63% of West Virginians support raising the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2025, which is what that amendment would have done. So this has nothing to do with ideology. It has nothing to do with, well, he's a conservative Democrat representing a conservative state. It has to do with the fact that he personally stems to lose out if the wage is increased. Most of his voters support this. Most of the people in the country support this, but he would lose out, which is why he voted against it. Right, absolutely. And I mean, it just goes to show like, the same point that we, you know, strive to make in every episode is that your democracy is no longer representing you. It's representing corporations. And to me, it's extremely striking that most of the people in his district that he is supposed to his state, his state yeah, that he is supposed to represent, they support this. So for him to vote against it is... <laughs> it's at the best it's not doing your job yeah ab- absolutely and um all right but um you know here are some of the numbers oh so this was from um grudge Sargent on twitter um here are the numbers of people who make under 15 dollars per hour in states of senators who voted no on the hike as of 2019 so this is people who make under 15 dollars an hour um in each state all right for those eight democrats who voted against this cinema tops the list with 893,000 workers. Manchin is number two, 229,000 workers. And then you have Carper at 106, Coons at 106, Hazan 146. And then it, it continues down um, to King and Tester and the, and the other ones who voted no. So it's like when you're voting no on that, you are literally voting to keep all of those people from making a living wage. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it's not even it's incremental. It, it, it like it, it, it by the time it finally gets to the $15 an hour mark, it, it would be 2025, which at that point is like, like, is that even living wage anymore? No, it's not. And I it's was just insane. about to say, I'm looking at a, um, a study from the Center for Economic and Policy Research. And if the minimum wage had tracked with productivity since 1968, it would be $25 now. So the fact that we're asking for a $15 minimum wage is really not progressive at all. <laughs> and in fact, it's, yeah. it's I, I, like you I said, mean, it's the it's least. Astounding. <laughs> you, you it's, it's the least you could do. And I mean, we're just talking about 
people being able to get a job and support their families, being able to afford rent. I mean, there's nowhere that you can afford, I believe it's a two-bedroom apartment um, making the minimum wage right now. It might even be a one-bedroom apartment. I'll have to fact check that and I'll put a link in the description. But um, it's it's really just astounding that it is legal to pay people this little. And um, I wanted to talk about this because a handful of those eight Democrats who refused to vote in favor of this uh, minimum wage increase, including Jean Shaheen <laughs> from New Hampshire, uh, Maggie Hassan also from New Hampshire, Angus King, who is actually an independent from Maine, um, or I think he... I, I believe he's elected as an independent. I don't believe he was elected yeah, as a Democrat. He, he's an independent, but uh, like Bernie, he caucuses with the Democrats. Okay. Um, and then Tom Carper of Delaware, they all um, argued that the $15, well, Gene in particular, Gene Shaheen in particular argued that the $15 an hour minimum wage was fine, but it needed, in addition to that, safeguards for small businesses. Um, Angus King said that if we made the minimum wage $15, it would encourage businesses to lay off their employees, quote, saying, quote, restaurants are hanging on by a thread. Now, this is a really common argument that we hear against raising the minimum wage to $15 is that, oh, well, it's not good for small businesses. So I guess my question would be, what do you have to say to these people who claim to be such advocates for small businesses? I would have to say that 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 theory that a lot of people have never really bears itself out in the data. I mean, you can look at multiple cities that have raised the minimum wage, like Seattle, and it doesn't lead to unemployment. It doesn't lead to, you know, small businesses going out of business. Um, and the reason why is because the, the percentage that a business actually spends on labor is actually pretty small compared to their other expenses like mm -hmm. rent and utilities and inventory and stuff like that. Like labor actually makes up a, a, a pretty small percentage of um, what a business, including a small business, pays. So, you know, you asking a business to, to raise it slightly is not going to hurt the business. Um, if anything, what's happened in those cities is is uh, small businesses actually thrive because other everyone else has more money in their hands and they go out and buy more products from the small business. Absolutely. And every, everyone sort of wins out. And that's the difference between like demand side economics, which is, you know, sort of building up the economy from the ground up and supply side or trickle down economics, which is, oh, give all the money to the people at the top and then it'll, it'll trickle down. I mean, the, the salary of the McDonald's CEO goes up and up and up and up every year, you know, but, but the wealth doesn't, doesn't seem to make its way down. It, it hasn't for 40 years. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's about time that we actually embrace I, I would say demand side economics where we put money into into the hands of people so that they can go out and spend it and you know generate economic growth for everyone not just not just the people at the top no absolutely and speaking of the people at the top there was a really good uh, tweet from Dan price who is a CEO who used to make billions and billions of dollars and he took a massive pay cut so that he could, pay all of his employees a living wage um and i'll put a tweet in the description as well but elon musk has made 19.5 million dollars an hour during the pandemic the walton family who own walmart 
have made $5 million an hour. And Mark Zuckerberg has made $5.1 million an hour. And the list just goes on of these billionaires. I didn't even mention Bezos, although he's high up there too. Um, but these yeah. these billionaires, they're <laughs> they're essentially just all of the money is floating between like a handful of people. And then you have people at the bottom, or so to speak, who are just scraping together all they can. And at this point, it's $7.25 an hour in some states because that's the federal minimum, which is what we're talking about here. I know in Michigan, I believe the minimum wage is uh, closer to $10. I think they raised Nine it recently. Something. But, you know, we have, we have people who are working their butts off at, you know, McDonald's, at Walmart, at Amazon, um, all these other places. I guess Amazon did raise their minimum wage after we put so much pressure on them. But, but again, ag- yeah, absolutely. I think that progressives should take full credit for um, Amazon's raising their own minimum wage. And, like, that's the thing. Like, we talk a lot about how if the free market worked in an ideal way, we would like things would look a lot different this result of like free market pressure of people getting together and saying amazon this is ridiculous you need to pay your workers more and it's resulted in that wage increase i think that that is rare and it just goes to show because you still have this other this other list of billionaires that still don't listen. So that's why you need government intervention sometimes to say, no, 725 an hour is not enough. Yeah, all credit, I think, in the world goes to um, Bernie and Rokana for doing that because they, and all the all, all of the people who, you know, were mobilized in, in that effort, but they, but they really let it with Stop Bezos Act. I don't know if you remember that. No. Where, yeah, it was um, the Stop Bezos Act where they proposed like taxing taxing like a hundred percent of his assets after a certain amount or something good something like that yeah and he and he got like freaked out and said okay fine fine i'll 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 raise my um i'll raise my workers wages to 15 bucks an hour and i think some of them lost out on, on some union benefits um as a result but but that was still i mean that was that was a move that raised the wages of hundreds of thousands of workers he did something similar with disney and and yeah it just shows like none of these things are are just going to happen you're not going to you you know you're not going to wait around for you're 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 not you're not going to have success at waiting around for joe manchin to decide what he's going to do you need to tell him directly hey you will support this or or we will primary you we will kick you out if you don't if you don't do what the people in your state want to do is that such a hard concept um, but yeah, to your point too, about, um, about the billionaires, you know, even if you want to make like a strict, you know, I'm an economist, I'm, I believe in the free market, even, <laughs> even if you want to make that argument, you know, it actually stunts economic growth when you have that much wealth in the hands of a mm-hmm. few people. Cause after a certain point, you know, you have so much money that you, you don't even know what to do with it. You don't yep. even, you can't even spend it. And, and a lot of those billionaires, have so much they're, they're never going to spend all their money and it's it stunts economic growth when you have labor when you have demand that is creating that wealth and then it's not being generated back into the economy it's just sitting in these 
billionaires' bank accounts. Right. So it's actually because stunting how many jet planes? Growth. Yeah. How many jet planes can one person own? Yeah, it's like the old. Um, oh, I forget who made this analogy, but it's like you know, after like everyone needs a refrigerator, but after a certain point, like like only you know, you being one person, you you only need so many refrigerators. Right. You know. But yeah, like at a certain like that money's not going to go back to the economy and generate any growth. Whereas if it if it were put into the hands of people who need it, the people, the workers, they would go out and buy a house, buy a new car, buy, mm-hmm. you know, you know, toys for their kids, whatever you want to think of. And and at a time where like so many people can't buy a house, everyone's renting, can't afford to make rent, um, can't afford to pay their bills. Um, that's the kind of approach you need. And that's the kind of approach that's actually going to build, build up the economy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing we were going to discuss today was the reopening of a couple different states. Which ones were those? Georgia? Texas and Florida. I know, oh. um, here's a tweet from Governor Greg Abbott. I just announced Texas is open 100%. Everything. I also ended the, ma- the statewide mask mandate. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Um, wow. So to me, as someone who is, I don't know the right way to describe my stance on COVID as a political issue. I do think the disease itself is serious. How at the, at the same time, my opinion, and this is one that I don't hear a lot from politicians or pundits, is that the mental health consequences of complete lockdown are not worth the physical health effects of you know, keeping everyone at home. I, I don't think that everything should be shut down. I don't think the gym should be shut down. You know, restaurants are a social gathering place. I don't necessarily believe that they should be shut down either, but I, I don't have a problem with the mask mandate. Now, that's my opinion, and I realize that it's it's quite far from the Democrat norm, but I think that a full reopening with no masks is extremely risky, especially when you have such a low vaccination rate as of you know exactly. late march or early march excuse me yeah like we're starting to get people vaccinated but the the point that a lot of people are making i think correctly so is hey dude this is way too early this is like taking yeah. the cast off you know three weeks before you're supposed to take the cast off yeah like it's just it's a really bad move and, and your point on lockdowns i don't know i think it's really i think it really depends on what the place or what the business is mm-hmm. like i know like a lot of people were making this point when restaurants were closed at least here in michigan like oh why why is it that restaurants are closed but you know you know grocery stores are open it's like well because everyone in the grocery store at least the expectation is that everyone's wearing a mask right whereas in the restaurant you know you wear the mask when you you go inside but then you sit down and you take it off because you have to eat That's and now true. you have all this air circulating but but I agree with you um, mostly on on the lockdowns because we now like we now know for example that it spreads through breathing through mm-hmm. through the mouth or through the nose those microscopic droplets so like yeah if every if everyone wore wore the mask and, and did that part correctly then I think you could have a lot less lockdowns mm-hmm. um, but you know then there's the issue of people who don't want to wear a mask or people who don't want to wear it correctly. But but this move of just reopening 100%, I think this is, I think this is 
a really bad idea, especially for all, all the healthcare workers. Like, oh, yeah. Imagine that, man. Like, that's just so careless and dismissive of them. And, and the, that's a good point. And everything they've been through up until this point. I mean, like, I get it. This is hard for everyone. Yeah. But, you know, it, it can it can get better and there are ways to to make it better but by doing this and saying oh no we're not we're not gonna have you even wear masks uh no i don't think that's a good move no i think it's gonna make it worse and it makes me think of i remember at the very beginning of this their concern was that we weren't gonna have enough ventilators for people who were extremely sick and that we weren't gonna have like enough medical care people to go around we're not gonna have enough space in our hospitals and i think that we're not at the point yet where we have herd immunity. We're not at the point where enough people are vaccinated. It is too early. And I, you know, I will be the first person, especially on the left, to say that I'm sick of the lockdown. I want everything to go, quote unquote, back to normal. But I think at a certain point, you are prolonging that outcome when you force everyone to go you know, maskless. Well, I guess people aren't being forced to go maskless, but I think that that's, uh, in the end, the effect it's going to have is most people aren't going to wear their masks because Texas is a pretty red state. I think, I mean, here in Michigan, where we're recording from, there is definitely a lot of mask outrage in more Republican areas. People don't wear them. People wear them like under their nose (laughs) rather than over their their nose. Yeah. Around their neck. Um, but I think, I I can imagine there's not going to be a lot of voluntary mask wearing in Texas. And in order for the mask thing to work, everyone has to be doing it, right? So I I think that at worst, we're going to have, you know, another surge of COVID and there's not going to be enough health care to go around. And I think that is the worst case scenario. I don't really see a best case scenario for this. I don't think that, you know, everything is just going to be hunky dory and people are just going to, you know, yeah, get along. Now, yeah. And now what happens like when cases skyrocket again and you have to, and you have to shut down again. Yeah. Like, how, and you have to shut down. And how well is that, that going to go over? <laughs> exactly. And you have to shut down again and then you go back and forth and back and forth and it's just prolonging the entire experience for people. I mean, that's how I felt here in Michigan and we had a pretty intense lockdown, but it, it feels like a switch that they're turning on and off again. Like, okay, now you can go to restaurants. Now you can't go to restaurants. Now we're going to have school. Now no more school. And it's like, I've I've seen the opinion from a couple people that we should just shut everything down for a couple weeks and then we wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. I myself am skeptical of that because minimum wage workers, like the ones we were just talking about, including grocery store employees, are still going to have to go to work because, I mean, people still need to get their groceries. People still need food. So you can't really do a yeah. complete shutdown. Yeah, but- I mean, you could do something like we did, I guess, in like mid-March where it's like, Okay, only essential workers are going are going to work. That's right. That's it. But which did decrease the rates of COVID. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. But how long is that going to go on for? You know, right? How long would it need to go on for? Like, I, I'm not an expert on that either. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think at this point, like the fact that vaccine distribution is up and that actually brings me to to another point i wanted to to talk about um i actually forgot to talk about this 
So Sahil Kapoor on, on Twitter kind of lays out what's in the COVID relief bill that is now going back to the House, which will likely pass without the $15 minimum wage, unfortunately. But he says $14 or $1,400 stimulus checks, which, you know. Lower than we, we would want. Yeah. In, in the eligible eligibility they lowered that again but so <laughs> we'll just leave that there for now uh 300 a week jobless benefits okay that's good um took joe Manchin a while to come around on that child allowance up to uh 3600 that's good 350 billion for state and local aid 34 billion for affordable care act subsidies and 14 billion for vaccine distribution that's another thing um even though mm. I've, even though we've been critical of Biden, and he has deserved it, um, <laughs> they, he has been uh, pretty good with ramping up vaccine uh, production and distribution. And he's now saying that they want enough, they're, that they're going to have enough for every American by the end of May. Okay. Yeah. That so includes... that's good progress. And see if if we were living in a world where you had every American vaccinated by the end of May, I think you know reopening everything would would look a lot different. But another thing I want to ask or sort of bring up is like, you know, we were just talking about Joe Manchin's state and how he was acting in complete, he was doing the complete opposite of what he should be as a representative, which is voting against the interests of his constituents and popular opinion among his constituents. Now, when it comes to Texas and the mask wearing mandate, I would guess that most of their constituents are against wearing masks. So at that point, does that then make the governor a good representative because he is voting in accordance or doing acting in accordance with what the wishes of Texans are? Um, I'm mm. not sure. That's a good question. What's um? Well, I don't know what the date. I do. Most people in Texas disagree with the mask mandate or disagree with wearing masks. Assuming they do, what do you think? They might. I don't know. What do you think? That's I mean, kind of a tough up. one. I feel like because on one hand, like you, go ahead. Well, because I'd make the argument like, and you know, this is this might sound a little authoritarian, but <laughs> you know. It, yeah, yes, most of them don't want it, but it is it is what will help in the long run. So he's representing his constituents in that sense. But, you know, I guess someone else who, you know, disagrees with me could say the same thing about Joe Manchin. Like, oh, well, from well, it's actually good that wages um stay low because, you know, something something economic. Yeah, or I, I sure, it's protecting the bird rule and you have no idea how important the bird rule actually is even though it only gets used about half the time. Yeah. My I don't my know what's is, your sense of that. Yeah, I think that considering the fact, you know, assuming that most Texans would be anti-mask, I would be tempted to to see where one would think okay well then the governor of georgia should do what texans want and that's to not wear masks on the other hand i think that the science and although i'm not like a big fan of like well the science says this so we should do this i think that that's good with limits right like i i don't believe in mandatory vaccines you know as we've talked about on this show before but i think for something so non-invasive as wearing your mask and something that's proven to have such a large impact um i i would say that he should 
in this case, go against the needs of his or the desires of his constituents only because it's so non-invasive. I think if there was a proposition on the table to have mandatory vaccinations, you know, just as an example for all Texans, I think they'd also be against that. And I would too, even if it would be better for everyone, I think that that would be so much more invasive and so much more of a uh, impact on one's bodily autonomy that I would have to be against it. Um, but I, only because masks are so low stakes, I think that they should be mandatory in public spaces. Now, if you're getting together for like a barbecue with your friends or I don't know what they do down there, drink a bunch of sweet tea and have a bonfire. <laughs> There's a lot um, of barbecue. Yeah, there probably is a lot of barbecue. I, I think, you know, is it the government's place to say you have to wear a mask on your private property having your private party? Absolutely not. But I think when you're talking about a library or a grocery store, um, I think that there is more reason to enforce mask wearing. Yeah, I, I like that take, that it's not as invasive. Uh, yeah. But there are some people, and <laughs> there are some people who think like this is the biggest encroachment on my liberty that I've ever experienced. And, and it really says a lot, like, really, you're that privileged that like, like this is your like civil rights. But um, but at the same time, I get it. Like, I I don't agree with it, but I see where they're coming from, because it, it is absolutely a show of privilege. But I think like at first when we had to start wearing masks, I could see why people were angry because it does encroach on your bodily autonomy to a degree in yes. the smallest amount yes and but again, at the same time i think you know someone made the point to me that well it encroaches on my bodily autonomy when other people don't wear a mask because it gives me a greater chance of getting sick and that mm, was yeah, yeah i think that that was an excellent point um right like now you're taking away this person's freedom yeah. Because you might get them, give them COVID. Mm, yeah. That's a great way to look at it. But at the same time, I think ultimately what's important is that we raise these questions. I think it would be really unhealthy as a society if, you know, all of a sudden Governor Whitmore get <laughs> all of a sudden Governor Whitmer said, all right, everyone has to wear, you know, a mask and no one raised any red flag about that i i think that that would be really unhealthy because i think that that would show that we trusted our government too much that we were too willing to listen to whatever the government wanted us to do so i i think it is important to challenge your government i think it's very healthy and i don't take any issue with that but i think ultimately you know there needs to be some level of individual reasoning that shows us hey the reason i'm wearing the mask is because it keeps those around me safe and we all have to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of our personal liberty, a little bit of that bodily autonomy to keep other people safe. Yeah, that was kind of my view, I think, at, at the very beginning was like, hey, if this if like if these restrictions were just going into place and there wasn't a pandemic happening, like it was all just happening on, on a random Tuesday. Yeah. Then, yeah, I would get the outrage. But yeah, given the gravity of the situation, like I get it. <laughs> There's a deadly pandemic. This is what you do to try to slow the spread anyway. Wear a mask at the very least. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I get your point. And, then, and, there'll, and there'll always be people who, you know, get outraged about it. Um, I remember at the very start, the people in like the pickup trucks who were like, masks oh, yeah. equal communism. <laughs> I, I think that oh, is sweetie, like, I wish. <laughs> I don't know. When it comes to stuff like that, 
I think, I don't know. I just, I, I wish people had that level of outrage for like what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You know, for politicians. About the minimum wage. Yeah. For politicians not representing their constituents or for politicians, you know, taking corporate money or serving their own interests like Joe Manchin is. Like, I wish there was that level of outrage. Like people were willing to like drive their pickup trucks to the Capitol mm-hmm. for that. You know, instead of, oh, Donald Trump lost and I'm upset, so I'm going to so I'm going to try an insurrection. <laughs> like, yeah. goes back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's like, like the energy is there, but it's like misdirected. Totally yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I, I, you know, I skepticism of, of the government is, is good and healthy and, and we should have it and we should have more of it. I, I just wish it were it were more focused at things. It was more focused at things that would actually help people in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I guess there's nothing left.